Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Jeremy Jones here. This is episode 20. Hello, my invisible friends. Let's just jump right in. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Declaration of Independence, 1776. What does that mean to you? If you are American, it means one thing. If you are not American, it might mean something else. Regardless, I want to know, what does it mean to you? What do you feel with that? After all, regardless of your origin, I mean, it's one of the most famous sentences of all humanity. And while, listen, there were collaborators, of course, in the document, the man who took the pen who gets most credit was whom? Thomas Jefferson. Very good. Uh, TJ, you know, one of the founding fathers. Here's a quick rundown on TJ. He's the third president of the United States. You already know TJ's courage and major accomplishments. He owned a library of 6,500 books. I cannot live without books, he said. He was an architect, designed his own home, a proficient writer, obviously, a skilled Economist, a horticulturist, three times fast. He had two wineries. We're talking a legit Renaissance man. He was an astronomer. He's believed to have designed the first observatory in the U.S., a polished violinist, an accomplished statesman. And as the president, he was the orchestrator of the famous 520 million acre Louisiana Purchase, which effectively doubled the size of the United States and goes down as... The best real estate deal of all time for $15 million. The list of accolades and accomplishments goes on. Such an indelible influence to America. That's why, understandably, he's on Mount Rushmore, on the $2 bill, on the nickel. On the whole, I believe he's done much good for humanity. Now, just like chess... I want to survey all perspectives with you. Might we, might we audit all angles on the board? I want, to see, I want to see what the white chess pieces are playing. What opening are they going with? The Traxler, the Sicilian, the Danish Gambit, the Roy Lopez? And then, can I see how the black pieces are responding to see the force and counterforces, to see the yin and yang tai chi interaction? Well then, here's what sparks my curiosity on Thomas Jefferson on the Declaration of Independence. How does such an educated man like that, who, who pens one of the most famous sentences and documents recorded in human history, how does this human, of all of us, right, how does he have such a blind spot? Because if he does, with all his accomplishments and erudition and panache, right? 
Then G, like, what are my own blind spots, right? The rub. What's the rub? So the author of this great document, of this bold, liberating movement who wanted to rid the shackles of the oppressive British rule, right? Even he, Jefferson, personally owned over 600 slaves. All men created equal? Am I, uh, are we missing something here? <laughs> right, what about the slaves? He had the chance, the easy-to-hit, slow softball, to declare freedom, to declare freedom, independence for all, including the slaves. And of course, it's unfair to make him stand trial off of today's standards, today's progress. Appears obvious where we sit today, here in 2021, but he wasn't living today, was he? He was living in a different era altogether, a time when, well, listen, that's, that's the way it was. It's just how things are, okay? Hmm, well, let's look, let's look harder, hmm? Okay, Jefferson only freed seven slaves, two during his lifetime and five afterwards in his will. Much is written on Jefferson's perspective of slaves being a structure-bearing wall of the economy. Literally, volumes have been dedicated to his economic slave perspectives. And we could unravel an entire podcast just to Jefferson and the slaves, economic attribution and analysis. But that's not my angle. You know, as predicted earlier by Jefferson, by 1860 right near the boiling point of the American Civil War. The value of slaves, bought, sold, traded, appreciating, it was like an asset class. It was like gold, oil, stocks, slaves. In fact, did you know it was more valuable than the national railroads and manufacturing combined? See, we're not just talking about a couple guys out there picking cotton. We're talking about America's economic engine at the time. The only, we'll say, visible asset of greater worth was the American soil itself. Tell me, how does a guy like Jefferson miss it, though? I mean, all men are created equal. I suppose it was just as con- controversial then. And the South, the South actually altered their version of the Constitution to read... All free men are created equal. But Massachusetts said, no, 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 it's all men. And they abolished slavery in Massachusetts in 1780, four years after the document. And Vermont was the first state quickly abolishing slavery in their state just a year after the Declaration of Independence in 1777. This is how things are? No, 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 Vermont said. I I can see with... Better vision. Vermont, yeah, right? Who knew? It was terrible, though. After Jefferson's death, some of his slaves were sold, and families were physically, literally split and torn, pulled away, broken apart by new, or- by new owners. The pain and agony of slaves was indeed avoidable. The pain and fatalities of the splitting civil war that followed avoidable. TJ could have righted the ship all the way back in 1776, right? 
skipped over that century of turmoil in humanity, civil war destruction. The Virginia abolitionist Moncure Conway reminisced, noting Jefferson's enduring reputation as a would-be emancipator, remarked scornfully, Never did a man achieve more fame for what he did not do. Hmm. Interesting, right? I suppose the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other people, other founding fathers helped edit the Declaration of Independence. You knew that. Like John Adams. Did you know he was anti-slavery? He actually had both black and white servants, not slaves, whom he paid. He's a guy you don't hear much about John Adams. Right? I mean, who was John Adams? Let's spend a little time with him. We don't hear about him much, or his son, John Quincy, who was also president, they were the only two presidents who didn't own slaves all the way up to 1850, to the 13th president. Hmm. TJ, though, is on the $2 bill, the nickel, Mount Rushmore, but John Adams never shows up. He's not on much. Maybe he's on a, you know, a commemorative presidential collector coin in 2015. That's the best I could find on Google, right? Pretend, pretend you were living during the American Revolution. Who would you pick to be the first president of the burgeoning new country? <laughs> That's an easy pick. The star hero commander, George Washington, who, by the way, also personally owned many slaves, but increasingly saw the blind spot and freed them after his death and his will. Anyway, so who is going to fill those big George Washington shoes? Who's going to take the torch? Ah, enter second president, clutch entry point, John Adams. So he must have been a stud to follow up right after GW. But did you know, there's not even a monument for Adams in Washington, D.C., like many others. Let's zero in with some binoculars on John Adams. He was a traveling diplomat, always on the road, always in meetings, but he still made sure to write over a thousand letters to his wife, Abigail, and they were married for 53 years. Uh, That nugget really doesn't have anything to do with the podcast today. I just thought that was interesting. That's cool that he wrote all those letters. Adams was an erudite. He was a Harvard lawyer. He was only a one-term president. Why? Hmm? Because his vice president was constantly undermining him at odds. In fact, well, he wanted his job. Do you know his vice president's name? Ah, Thomas Jefferson, who, of course, went on to be the third president. So what kind of person was John Adams? I'll tell you, he was the kind of person who trusted his gut, who, who constantly put current reality on trial. Hear this. John Adams represented British soldiers accused in the Boston Massacre. As an attorney, Adams believed all people enjoyed the right to a defense counsel. Freedom for all. In 1770, that would be six years before the revolution, right? Still under tyrannical rule. He believes, he lives that all men are created equal and he represented the British soldiers uh, successfully when no one else would. 
even though Adams, of course, believed in the American crusade. Also interesting, Adams never owned any slaves. He was a lifelong abolitionist, and in later years he told a friend, Every measure of prudence, therefore, ought to be assumed for the eventual total extirpation of slavery from the United States. He goes on to say, I have, through my whole life, held the practice of slavery in such abhorrence that I have never owned a Negro or any other slave, though I have lived for many years in times when the practice was not disgraceful, when the best men in my vicinity thought it not inconsistent with their character, when it has cost me thousands of dollars for the labor and substance of free men, which I might have saved by the purchase of Negroes at times when they were very cheap. Hmm. All right. Very interesting. Just because something is doesn't mean it's how it should be. How might that present itself in your life? Be noodling on that as we go throughout this podcast, okay? During his life, the majority, right, the consensus thought slavery was okay. It's just kind of how things were. So I'm really inspired by Adams and how he trusted his gut. Listen, though, he was a president, not a saint. Like me, if you dug deeper, it wouldn't take too long to find some dirt on me. I'm not taking sides. I'm just trying to see all perspectives. And with Adams, it's a tale not told enough. What was the difference between these two men? Why, why even put these men together? Why did I pick Adams versus Jefferson for the episode 20 cage fight? Because, because, because they were the only two signers of the Declaration of Independence who later became presidents. And in spite of their political bashings and betrayals, the two eventually made up a decade later after Jefferson's presidency. They became friends. They actually died on the same day, which was coincidentally the 50th anniversary of the Constitution on July 4th. And Adams' last words were, Jefferson survives. Which wasn't actually true because TJ, his now good friend, unbeknownst departed a few hours earlier. Throughout their lives, both were in a similar set of circumstances. Both had different blind spots. It really made me wonder, Jones, what am I taking for granted? What am I accepting as reality in my life? And not even questioning it. Not, not even taking a stand. Of course, with all this, you know, can you see the gap? Can you see Adam's blind spot? Remember when we talked about those a few episodes back, right? Adams had such conviction about slavery, spending thousands of extra money for his own staff. He was being the odd guy out, the unpopular opinion, the minority in the crowd. And why didn't he leverage his personal, personal abolitionist passion into his presidency, kind of go all out for it? Why was he unable to free slaves in his presidency? Why did it take another 65 years to free slaves? There may be a good reason for that, but I'm just curious. Perhaps you know. If you know, send it to me. So the Founding Fathers have done so much good. They've paved the way for so many spiritual, religious, social, and entrepreneurial advances and freedoms. 
that were not even possible in other governments and countries and still aren't in a lot of countries today. They've done much good. Now, we're just analyzing a past chess game, right? We're just seeing the advances, seeing the blunders, so we can play better. So we can learn and apply to our own individual chess moves. Therefore, therefore, a good takeaway. Just because things are, right, that doesn't mean that's how they should be. Question everything. Just because you've always binged on Netflix at night, and the majority does, that doesn't mean that's how it always should be. Flip the board. Just because you're up late doing podcasts every night doesn't mean you should always skip Netflix. Just because everyone takes on loans for a house, a car, a loan for school, a loan for furniture, doesn't mean that's how it should be. Everyone thought, listen, hey pal, the world is flat. The king and queen, all the way down to the pheasants, like, the peasants knew that. Everyone knew that. It was easy math. That's, well, it's just the way it was. But then you have some eclectic types, you know, questioning everything, testing, exploring, being curious. What if I, I don't know, keep selling my ship that way for a really long time? Do I fall off into the abyss or does something else happen? Might something change? Oh, I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to set the sail. We can be awake, more aware, not sleepwalking through our big invisible house. So, my invisible friends, can you time travel with me back to episode one? Do you remember what we covered? Illusions, right? The sun-moon thing. Everything around us, around us in our outer five-sensory world is just an illusion. No, sometimes I forget this. And I think what's happening in the invisible world is like pretend, wishful, merely imaginative, only happens on my podcast kind of thing. And that the outer world, it appears so finite, so evidentiary, so factual. But it's a desert mirage. Because anything that's ever happened in the outer visible world, where did it happen first? Right, in the invisible the the salesman who decides to call on a hundred prospects this week, right? he didn't show up to the phone and see that it, it had been dialed a hundred times. No, the salesman saw it first in the invisible world, and then radiated this color, radiated this energy across the universe. He picked up the phone and did the first dial, and then the second, and then he saw ninety eight more dials, and it went from his invisible world. To outer to the to the um, visible world, right? Okay, what about humans? Humans don't fly, okay? It's just unnatural. I mean, look around thousands of years. Do you see anyone flying? No, no, no one's flying. That's well, that's the way it is, except reality. Well, maybe. Then again, maybe not. Says our Taoist farmer friend. The Wright brothers, they were awake and aware in their big invisible house. In their place, people could fly. That's what they saw in their world. They then had the courage to bring their reality in their invisible world forward. We've gone from, look, weird people. People don't fly, just accept it. 
to now people fly, to people fly very fast in supersonic jets, to, to even people walking on the freaking moon. We've, we've gone from impossible to possible. And nothing changed at all out in the five sensory world. It's not, you know, no one like rounded the corner and it was like, oh my gosh, who put this unusual mechanical contraption here that lifts people in the air? Like, where did this come from? The only thing that changed was perspective. The only thing that changed was someone believing, oh, that's, that's just an illusion. See, in my invisible world, I have a dream. I see something different. I'm going to trust my gut. Everyone gets a mortgage on their house for 30 years. Look around. Hey, you know, everyone eats too much and exercises too little. That's just, that's just what happens when you turn 40 and have kids. Right? The majority get fat, okay? Then get fat house payments and fat car payments. <laughs> Shoot, little britches. It's just the way it is around these them here parts. But Jones, don't be like the many. Be like the few. What if you are like the few, that in your invisible world, you have world-class health at any age, at every age? Reminds me of this cat drawing I have hanging up in my hallway. It's this picture of this small orange house cat. And he's looking in the mirror. And he has a paintbrush and he's kind of painting himself, self-portrait. And he sees what? Sees a big, majestic, capable lion in the mirror, right? So, so it's then that the cat starts acting like one of the few. Pounces and purrs and strolls around the sofa like they are jungle royalty. Of course, we have the privileged perspective of looking at the last hundreds of years and look back and say, oh, oh man, Jefferson totally missed it. He didn't see the illusion. Slaves were a property item. Not, not even the same consideration as men, as in all men are created equal. But don't we play the exact move at times, blundering blindly to some of our illusions, not, not seeing the blind spot? I tell you, I know I do. That's why I'm here today. Let's keep funneling this down. Okay, this document is called the Declaration of Independence. Question, are you independent? You free? Hmm. That's an okay question. Better question, what are you not free from? I don't know. You know, sometimes if I'm keeping it 100 with you, uh, I feel like I'm in a form of slavery. Like, no matter how hard I work on this or that, I'll never be free. I'll never get ahead. Especially because I keep moving the yardstick of, of quotes, air quotes here, doo -doo -doo, success, right? Altering my personal definition of my pursuit of happiness, of a successful life. I keep, I keep covering up the line in the sand, and then I run a little bit ahead, and I dig my heel in the sand, and ah, see, 
See if you can make it there, Jones. And then I do it again. And I, uh, you know, cover up the sand and I run up a little bit ahead. So I, I never actually get there. Maybe that's just me. But I know it happens. When I think of slavery, a Hebrew slave, an African slave, an Indian slave, a Chinese slave, I have no idea how to put myself in those awful shoes. So for me, I tend to think of invisible slavery, limits, restrictions, stagnation, frustration. What about you, huh? I mean, I'm guilty personally of slavery, and sadly, it's for the worst, most awful kind. It's self-incrimination, self, self-betrayal, betraying my true potential on what I see for myself, settling for mediocrity, settling for the illusion, keeping the dream enslaved, locking up and hiding away all my ambitions and dreams and wonders. Or, hey, maybe it's financial slavery, taking the lashings of debt and scarcity every month, enslaved to interest rates that work against you 24 hours a day with no rest. Or maybe it's, you know, my company's stuck at $40 million. We've been stuck here for a while, and we're just destined to remain a $40 million company. We, we, we can't grow our company. We're kind of stuck here. We're feeling stuck. We can't blossom our relationship. It's feeling stuck. Or it's depression and loneliness kind of slavery. Limiting thoughts and behaviors. Limiting wealth. Limiting health. Limiting f- the fulfillment in life. Unconscious to the fact that, listen... Just because this is how my life is right now, it doesn't mean it has to be tomorrow. So my woman, she's an amazing dancer. Like natural rhythm and soulful movements. It's like a foreign language to me. It doesn't come natural to me. Established on previous episodes, watching me dance is painful. It's like watching a fish out of water slapping around incoherently. It's just, it's painful. So I had, one time, this great idea for our anniversary that I would learn how to dance. Mm. I didn't realize dance is not something you how. It's something you why. Something you be. So I'm trying, though, and I'm replaying this dance video over and over and over and over, and I'm counting and getting my steps down. I did. A fantastic job memorizing those steps. Near perfection. So when I did the big reveal on the dance night of the anniversary, (laughs) I dominated that dance move. For two minutes of dancing, I crushed it. And then all I knew about dancing was over. That was it. All I knew, all I was comfortable with was this same dance. Do you ever just do the same dance over and over again? It was a rough night for me. There's so much more to dancing, isn't there? If only I would have left what I knew, left what was comfortable, abandoned my illusion of, that's just the way dancing is, my illusion of, I'm just not a good dancer. If only I would have left the sight of the shore. Only then could I have discovered new dancing lands for myself. Don't see what is. That's easy peasy. Many do that. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and see what might be. 
What can I emancipate myself from? All right, I like, I like this next part. It's a little story I wrote. So, do you ever feel like an elephant? So one day, a poor traveler is hiking through the safari. She had no tools or food. She came across a small shack in the immediate vicinity. There's a small pond. Yes, yes, perhaps I can find some food and rest. As she rounded the corner of the small shack, she saw a beautiful, ginormous elephant. Startled by this magnificent, powerful creature, the traveler hid behind a tree so as to not trigger a stampede. But she stepped on a twig, and the elephant, well, it barely turned its head. There was a sadness in its dark, oily eyes. Hmm. The elephant uh, looked at the traveler and then just resigned, looking back at the pond, sweeping its trunk. Stepping out and away from the tree, the traveler approached the elephant who stood melancholy. The elephant stared off across the safari at some, some distant, hopeful oasis through the swaths of open safari grass. The woman, a vagabond herself, encouraged the escape. Go, Go, my friend, go run to it. But the elephant only flapped the flies off its ears and slumped its shoulders. The traveler reached out, touching the shoulder of the elephant. It didn't move. The traveler pet the trunk of the elephant. Go, my friend, go explore and go live. Be free. <laughs> As the elephant shuddered its eyelashes, half closed, the traveler peered deep inside the dark pupil and saw how the elephant was captured when it was very young, while it was underdeveloped, while still innocent. And a cunning captor had tied a rope around its ankle. And the elephant had tried to escape, and it had tried, and it charged, and it yanked, and it pulled. But it was no use. The simple rope had held the baby elephant close to the pond. All these years later, it had grown oddly comfortable to the rope, even made it feel safe. The elephant blinked again. The traveler looked down and saw the dusty rope still attached. Oh, that was years ago, my friend. You are free now. You are stronger and bigger and more powerful than you realize. Go! The elephant lunged forward, believing for the first time in a long time that it could finally have the life it longed and dreamed of. But it wasn't enough, right? It remained tethered. I shall help you, my friend. Don't worry. Only believe. The traveler rushed, circled the shack in and out, which had been deserted for some time. She looked for a knife, a tool, anything. But the shack had been abandoned and picked clean by thieves over the years. The traveler shook her head in frustration, unable to find something to cut the rope. She turned back to chuck on the elephant, mumbling to herself, It must know, it must see that it has the power to free itself. It's, it's the only way. Exiting the shack, she looked toward the pond where the elephant had been roped and saw, and saw, uh, and saw, hmm. Turns out I don't, I don't have the end of the story here. 
I don't know what happened to the elephant. How does the story end? Only you know. What did the elephant choose? <laughs> well, I guess that's up to each of us. At some point, with, with some part of our life, right? we are living as that captured, limited elephant. Longing for what we see ahead of us. Now, whether someone put the rope around our ankle or we stepped into our own limiting beliefs, all we need is to charge ahead, trusting our power, trusting our gut, and then the rope will snap. It will. So what are your tethers? Losing weight, a sickness, a health condition, I don't know, gaining muscle, poor grades, do you keep hitting a ceiling in your business? Oh, I only got this far. Oh, I only got this far. I only got this far. Feeling limited in your job? Or maybe it's tethers of addiction, of failure, of debt, of insecurity? What's, what's limiting you, Jones? Hmm? What's limiting you to be the person that you already know is inside? How long have you been gazing and longing to go explore that safari? You know, I have all these resources around me. Friends, books, meditations, coaches, counselors, podcasts. All these free opportunities to make as much money as I want, to, to be what I want. And, but I, I also see the freedom too, right? It's the opposite freedom. It's the freedom to pursue passions and interests and veto the haunting desire that I must make more money. More money. Sometimes... Keeping it one hundy, I'm a slave to that slick salesman of bigger, stronger, faster, wealthier, financial freedom, financial independence. You know, you just need a little more. It's not too much to ask. I mean, you deserve it, don't you? You're a good person. Throw away the job, stack up the stocks, real estate, properties, businesses. Ugh. You know, if I'm going to untether something, how about it's a fat yacht from the dock? You know, that's, that's what kind of rope I want to snap, yeah? Passive income, pina coladas and Phuket pinstripes down the collectible classic Camaro. Ah, wait, there it is. The rope tightens around my ankle. For years, me, I've chased this carrot of financial freedom. You know the line. I'm just going to make so much money that, yeah, I'll just live off the interest. Yet the whole time, the whole time, like Jefferson's blind spot, darn it, it was right, right there in front of me, wasn't it? So let me ask you, my invisible friends, do you see my blind spot? Hmm. That kind of financial freedom is just an illusion. True freedom is what you can be happy without. It's being free of the must-have, of the you know, I want more, more, more. You know, free of the once upon a time story, when I get X million, then that will be enough. Ugh, blind spot. Enslaving myself with the contradiction, with the very thought that, once I have enough financial cushion, then 
at that point, I'll qualify for emancipation, that I'll be able to buy my freedom, that I'll qualify. I'll be good enough to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See, that kind of thinking is, is kind of like the South having contingency language, right? Oh, yeah. Just all free men are created equal. Willingly and actively enslaving myself. But, now I see episode 20. Now I declare and I believe that no amount of money will yield a return of freedom. Of what? Careless patio porch swinging? It's just an illusion. Financial freedom is something, wait for it, wait for it, is something I already have. <laughs> and, and where is this financial freedom? Well, we all have it. Tell me so I can cash the check. Is the check in the mail? Where's, where's the check? No, no, no. The check is not in the mail. The financial freedom is in your invisible world. It's there now. Close your eyes. And see your big invisible house that we talk about? The, the mansion in heaven that Jesus talks about? Feel the key in your pocket. You have the master key. Money, lots of money, more money won't get you freedom. When we step back, we know this is true. And yet, we've all fallen for the illusion in some degree. It's like one of my favorite rappers NF says, if money's where you find your happiness, then you'll always be poor. This is a great song. It's in the show notes if you want to do a, a listen. I recommend it. I love that line. I like money. Okay? It's out there. I said it. And I think all of us should have more of it. Yes, money can get your house paid off. Or, sorry, if that's not enough, it can get you that G6 Gulfstream airplane you've been looking at or that beachfront villa in Mallorca for your getaway. Money can buy those things. Mm-hmm. It sure can. It, it can buy all those things in all cash, too. Like, no loans. But the odd thing about freedom is that it's free. It's a, well, it's a declaration of independence, being independent of those financial exchanges. And it comes once we take off the binding illusionary shackles. You can buy the beach house and think, oh man, I mean, I thought this was all I needed. And trust me, I do like Mallorca, but like, what am I supposed to do during the winters? Huh? Like, I really need to get one of those ski in, ski out chalets. Maybe up there in Steamboat Springs, up in the Alps. Or, sure, I have the 67 Camaro, but the 68 convertible Corvette is still on the list. Or, listen, hey, Jones, I don't care about material things. I beat that game. See, I just don't want to have college debt. Or I just want to have enough money to pay for my kid's college. Okay. Well... I mean, we can pull that thread. We can unravel a whole ball of yarn, can't we? Like, okay, you just want to help your kids with college? Don't you want to help them, too, with a down payment for these skyrocketing, ridiculous housing costs? Don't you want to help them buy a house? Or don't you want to help pay for college for your grandkids? We can always unravel more. Ah, see, the ego can always create just a little bit more, so the hamster wheel keeps on spinning. You know, 
I, I don't need the house with the court and the pool. I don't need the G6. I don't need out of this tailspin, dead-end job. I don't need to go back and get the next degree. I don't need my kids to be more successful than me. Those things are nice and great, and that's just not a need. What I really need is to be free. Free of the invisible pressure to get more. I mean, is more better? Question, I'll wait for your answer. Is it? Hmm? What do you think? What do you think? Two-way podcast, right? Hmm. Well, maybe. Then again, maybe not. Gandhi's $3 to his name at the abrupt ending of his life when he was assassinated suggests otherwise. In fact, I would say that Gandhi is one of the most financially independent people that I've ever heard of. Look at everything he could be without, that he was free without. Strength doesn't come from size, not the size of your accounts, the size of your body. Maybe that's why he said, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. Looking at Gandhi, I'd suppose, you know what? I'm going to say it right here and announce it on this podcast. Episode 20, I'm coming out. Maybe more is better. But more of what? More love? More divinity? More attunement? More self-confidence? More human equality? More service? More tolerance? Maybe we need more of those things? Not those outer world symbols. The house, the car, the account, the 401k, selling your business one day for millions. The ivy circling the porch pillars. You know, just outside the conservatory of your home. They are all just symbols for the deeper human crave, the desire to feel successful, to feel abundant, loaded, to feel important. You, you're important right now. You have abundant gifts and skills to share with all of us, and we need who you were meant to be. Remember the story from my grandpa? In bed at the tail end of it all, staring at the ceiling. Do you remember that episode? Keep it in your back pocket. He said, he said what to his wife of 55 years as the governor came in to pay his respects? Theron, someone very important is here to see you. Staring at the ceiling, he said, I never met a person that wasn't important. And if we might be so kind, may we include ourselves, especially in that kindness, Hey, let's stitch in a verse from the Christian Bible where the prophet says, Hey, come all ye who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, like Gandhi, come come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without honey and without cost. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Hmm. Jones, let your soul delight in fatness. Be Jones fatty in the abundance, without cost. Feast. It's all free. It's all free and available today. Use your key to your house. Unlock the mansions in your heaven. Hmm. Another drink. 
Mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm back. Guess who's back? See, sometimes I'm like TJ. Thomas Jefferson, right? Silver tongue, silver pen. I'm talking up a good game about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Seriously, that is such a good idea. Except, you know, it's not for the slaves. I mean, come on. Or, you know, except it's not for me. I'm too old now. Too poor. Too fat. I'm too young. Look at how much everyone else has than me. Not just money, but just look at their happiness. They seem like a happy family, and they don't seem like they're fighting all the time. Whatever. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about all these little aspects of life. So, yeah, that's not for me. Pursuit of happiness. Not until I have financial freedom. Not until I get my degree or get that A. Not until I make that team or get my house redecorated and renovated. Not until I get my kids out of the house and know that they've made it. Not until my business expands and I can hire a new CEO, work less hours, may finally get a CFO too. Not until I get that, you know, a slug of VC money so I can really blow the doors off this thing. Not until I repair that strained relationship that's been eating at me for years. Eh, not until I carry this depression for, let's see, maybe another year or, or two. <laughs> Pursuit of happiness. It's not for me. Not until my credit cards and the student loans are paid off. (sighs) See, this is just my lot in life. It's my cross to bear. I'm a soldier on, shackled and grinding through the vicissitudes of life. I mean, why did Thoreau say, Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and die with their song still inside them. Well, Thoreau, no other reason than the fact that they are tragically and consistently enslaving themselves. See, Thoreau, they never signed their own Declaration of Independence. Jones, course correct. Don't do that, right? I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor. Every atom of me in magnificent glow than a sleepy, permanent planet. The function of man is to live, not to exist. Sort of funny, a little bit, a little bit funny how it all goes back to episode one. You are a star, not a moon. Radiate your energy and light your potential, who you are beyond any limits. And these pesky restrictions... They're self-induced. You know, sometimes they slip in through the back door, through our blind spots. Those tricky confinements, the chains, the elephant rope. Oh, yeah, you know, I can only go so far. Be that elephant who charges for the open safari. He snaps the rope. Who knows he or she is powerful enough to go beyond what's comfortable. We must, therefore, embrace discomfort. Conflict, confusion, these are good signs. We can change our perspective and even seek out that discomfort like we talk about in earlier episodes. Seek out the feeling of a taut, tense, ready-to-snap rope and move forward. Exploring the deep part of the force that we've never been to, even if it's uncomfortable. It's been a while since I've snuck in a song. 
Singing time. Singing time. So here's another one, also in the show notes. It's a fun hip-hop song called Just Imagine. I'm not great at hip-hop, so I'm not going to sing-sing it. But I make sure to listen to it a few times a week to make sure I'm snapping my ropes. Today is the day. Stand out. Stand up. Stand your ground. Be the who that you want to be proud. And when you feel like you can't make a sound, right there is the time we're supposed to get loud. You don't like those rules? Remake them. Because we're living in a snow globe. Shake them. You don't like what it was? Then change what it is. Because stories are what you make them. Wake up, get up, and do something. You gotta wake up, get up, and do something. Yeah, don't take much but a simple equation. You plus your imagination. I might have a career in hip-hop. All right. All right. We, together, we're crushing this episode. I hope, I hope that it's, it's brought something to you. A new perspective. But it's time to sign off. We did some good work today. Here we go. Let's, let's bring it on home. The sad irony of the Declaration of Independence. Striving for freedom beyond the tyranny and slight by the British government, reaching the tipping point, the founding fathers finally, they said what? They're like, man, enough is enough. Enough. I'm done here. I'm done with this. But they missed the blind spot with the slaves, with how they understood all men. So what's going on with your blind spots in your big invisible house, huh? Does... Does someone else have the key to your big invisible house? Might you need to take it back or perhaps form a new government? Kick out a narrow-minded monarchy? Hmm? Declare freedom for all parts of you, not just the ones that shine. How are you limiting yourself? Maybe you have more money than you need, right? But you keep limiting your health and exercise. Oh, yeah, listen, I'm just too busy right now with work and life. Or it doesn't matter. Whatever I do, the weight never comes off. Or I always screw up friendships. Or investing's not for me. I don't even want to be rich. Come on. Why do we even take those depression and anxiety pills? Because we are looking to be what? To be free of that pain. To have independence from the jittery anxiety of looking around the pond and like the elephant feeling so hopeless, helpless, or alone, or like a failure. That that self-betrayal that we haven't snapped the rope. What's wrong with us? We didn't go out and explore the hopes and dreams of our safaris. You ever thought about it like this? Like the bald eagle... In America is a symbol of freedom. And similarly, the depression pill is a symbol of really of freedom. Eh, I mean, not the best symbol. That's what it is, really. Or, hey, listen, it doesn't matter what book or podcast I listen to, what therapist I go to. See, I'm just depressed and things will, will never get better for me. I missed my chance. You know, Things will never get better with that friend. I'm not just good with, with numbers or, or the story I say is like I'm not good at math. That's why I do so bad in this class. I'm just not, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I just don't dance. I don't, I don't know. 
What if I change that? What if I, bro- if I snap that rope? What if all things are possible? Back to the pond. The elephant doesn't need to even like run across the whole safari in a wild charge of unbroken success and, and like never sleep, right? All it needs to do for now today, just win the first set, just the just the rainbow moment. Just all you need to do is break the rope, just break the rope, and the rest eventually will follow. Come drink milk and honey, without cost. Without price. It's free to let your soul delight in fatness. All you need do is to declare your own independence. See, we, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then, once you declare what you want, I, I, I declare, you sign it. You sign it with a big, booming John Hancock or a Jane Hancock or, for everybody to see it. And then get others, get friends and mentors and coaches and family and have them sign and support your declarations. It's true. I like the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. And it gets a lot of likes. A lot of thumbs up. But it's the end of the Declaration of Independence that really sticks me. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Wow, I mean, like, this is for real. They meant it. Who's running your show? Who's at the controls? Does there need to be a change of power, a revolution, some fresh faces? What a pledge they declared. Their lives, their fortunes, all with sacred honor. Just because something is, eh, doesn't mean it's how it ought to be. So blaze and shine and be your star power. Declare your independence and charge for it until the rope snaps. Just like John Adams' commitment to not owning slaves, anti-slavery, an abolitionist. It might, it might cost you a little bit more. It might take a little bit more. A little bit more effort, a little more risk. Raise the cell. Raise the cell. It'll catch the wind. It'll catch. Right. Be, be an abolitionist. It'll cost a little bit more. But abolish your limits. Abolish your restrictions. Do it for others. Enjoy your independence. Why? Yeah, every time you're picking up on it by now, my inconquerable belief that, that the world needs who you were meant to be. So be it. And then I'll see you on episode 21.